Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> Have you ever had an experience when <clears throat> you had to tell someone something that they didn't really want to hear? I mean, what you had to tell them was the truth. It was for their own good that they needed to know. But nevertheless, they didn't want to hear it. Don't shoot the messenger. Just, that's what you say. Yeah. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just bringing you the information. You do with it what you will. Well, such is often the case with God's people. We speak the truth. At least we try to. We try to be loving and kind and forthright and speaking the truth. And yet, it is not always received in a friendly manner. The truth of sin and grace, the truth of law and gospel, is not something that is readily understood by the world. Paul wrote to the Corinthians that the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Unless a person is enlightened by God's word, they will not fully understand their sinful nature, for example. They won't understand their sinful conduct. They might even think that this thing that they do is not even sin. What do you mean sin? What is that? No, I'm just living my life this way. What's wrong with that? problem with not understanding a person not understanding our own sin as humans is that we then don't understand the righteous and just condemnation that goes along with our sin and thus we don't understand our need for a savior now all people have a knowledge of god there is no such thing as a real atheist there are people who think they're atheists but there is no such thing as a real atheist all people know that they are accountable to God for their life and for their conduct. They know there is a God. This is what Paul uh, gets to in the first chapter of Romans. And uh, in verse 18, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. They have it, they know it, but they suppress it. They push it down. People suppress the truth of God's law that is written on their heart, even when their own conscience reveals to them that they, are, that they sin. They might not be able to explain it or put words to it, but they have feelings of guilt and remorse because it's written on their heart. But they suppress that truth. They put it down. Last couple of weeks... There's been two people from our congregation that have asked me a question about uh, uh, so-called Pride Month or whatever, you know. Why is it necessary for everyone to celebrate pride? I mean, you know, this is the question, you know. Why can't people just, like, mind their own business and go on with their life? I mean, if they choose to live privately in sin, why is that not enough? Why do we all have to be called in to celebrate and endorse and approve of it? Why can't they just live their life without dragging everyone else into, into it to approve of their behavior? 
And the answer, I think, the answer, and there is an answer, the answer goes back to this, this idea that we suppress the truth in unrighteousness, that sinful people will do that. We push the truth down. They know what they're doing is sinful. Their own conscience, their own conscience bears witness against them. They know that it's wrong before God, even if they say they don't believe in a God. Yeah, well, you do. And your conscience is telling you, there's a God, you're accountable to him, and something you're doing is not right. And so they feel this angst and this frustration They know that what they do, in the, in the case of, of the perverse sins of, of, uh, that we are supposed to celebrate in Pride Month, they know that, um, that it's a violation of created order. This is why it's generally the, the uh, testimony of all societies of all times that this is wrong. Uh, even pagan philosophers um, made arguments against homosexuality because it's obvious from created order that this isn't right. This doesn't work. Nothing in this is, is uh, this isn't the way this was designed to operate. Um, and so it's evident. What they also know is that they are accountable to God. But in, in unrighteousness, they suppress the truth. But as that conscience inside continues to bear witness and condemn the person, They need reassurance. They need an escape. They need a way to escape this conscience that's constantly pressing in on them. It's no coincidence, by the way, that suicide rates and depression are extraordinarily high among those who suffer from these afflictions because their conscience is constantly bearing witness against them. Now, how do you you escape that? If you're not going to turn to God, how do you escape that? Well, you get everyone around you to lift you up and to, uh, to support you and to say, oh no, it's okay. Don't listen to your conscience. Here, we'll help you conceal and suppress your conscience. The conscience that's telling you it's wrong will help you escape that by celebrating you and by telling you this is all okay. Does that make it okay? No, it's like kicking against God's law. You're not going to beat down God's law. You're not going to disprove God's law. It's futile. As believers, we know that. And in love, we try to share that message. And how does that go for you? I mean, it's not just militant, the militant homosexual sinners that are uh, that are alone, you know, they're not alone in this. We are also right there with them. We all confessed that here this morning, that we also sin. So the difference isn't that we're righteous in the way we conduct ourselves and these people out there are not. That's not the, that's not the issue. The issue is all people are sinners and all people have the sin, a sin nature to contend with. The difference is we're not suppressing the truth of God's word. We're coming out and saying, yes, we are sinners in need of a savior. And our desire for all people is the same confession. 
It's the acknowledgement that, yeah, we are in need of a Savior. Now, I want to ask you a question. Were each of each of you, were you saved by denying your sins and holding fast to your own righteousness? Oh, thank you, God, that I'm not like this other guy, a tax collector and a sinner, because I give twice, you know. That, no, we weren't saved by our own righteousness. Likewise, will any sinner ever, will any sinner be saved by their own righteousness? Of course not. The fact that they're a sinner alone, it could just be one little sin. That is enough to condemn them for all eternity. Now, we're all saved in the same way. There's, there are differences on a human level between you know, different people, but uh, before God, we are all condemned sinners. But we're saved. All of us are saved the same way, by repenting of our sin and by receiving our Savior. Therefore, we don't give up hope we don't relent in speaking the truth of sin and grace, of law and gospel. And yet we will not be universally loved for saying the things that we must say. You know, yesterday was the nativity of uh, St. It was the festival to, that was the nativity of St. John the Baptist. So it's fitting to think about St. John. He was in the wilderness baptizing uh, and proclaiming uh, the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And how did John get treated as a result? John the Baptist. Yeah, he was taken, uh, put in prison in Herod's palace and then eventually beheaded. Oh, gee. <laughs> I really am looking forward to that. <clears throat> We saw in our Old Testament lesson today, we read from Jeremiah. Did you catch the lamentation of Jeremiah in that passage? Yeah, he's really kind of like, God, all around, I hear people whispering, you know, denouncing me. Yet he confesses and professes faith and trust in God because he knows, God, whatever happens around me, your word is true. Let the chips fall where they may. Your word is true. That's, that's essentially what Jeremiah is saying. And he was mistreated. We hear the psalmist declaring from the psalm we read, Psalm 91, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, undoubtedly, as we went on and read the rest of the psalm, you got to the part where, uh, where the psalmist declares he will commit he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Do you remember who famously misquoted that passage? It was Satan. Yeah, he, he liked to quote the scripture too and try and, well, misquote it really, but he quoted it to Jesus when he was tempting Jesus, trying to say that Jesus could jump off the pinnacle and God would, would save him. Jesus replied, you should not put the Lord your God to the test. But in Jesus' reply to this, saying basically, you misquote the scripture, what Jesus is saying is, if what you're saying, Satan, is that God's scripture says that 
I would never suffer, that God would never allow me to suffer, well, you are very much mistaken. Because I will be allowed to suffer. So if you're trying to read something into the scripture that says, God's anointed will never suffer, well, no, that's not what the scripture says. Likewise, we should not apply that to ourselves as though we are better than our master, as though we should not suffer also. And indeed, that is what Jesus is saying to his disciples when he says, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. He's preparing them. He's saying, be prepared to suffer for my name. Don't let that stop you from proclaiming the truth of God's word. But at the same time, Jesus spoke words of comfort. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. That would be the humans around us who would other, other uh, people who would uh, criticize, condemn, um, persecute. Don't fear them. They might be able to kill your body, but they can't touch your soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, Dr. Lyne spoke on this text about fear, love, and trust. And he said, you know, you're right to fear God because he is almighty and cannot look away from sin. He is the judge. So fearing makes sense. But you're right to love God because he loves us and has given Christ as a propitiation for your sins. So you're right to love him. And of course, you're right to trust on him because Christ intercedes on your behalf. Christ gives you his righteousness. And all of this God has proved by raising Christ from the dead. So we are right to fear, love, and trust God. But we don't need to fear the angry mob. We don't need to fear the scorn of neighbors or friends or family when we speak the truth. Not only should you not fear it, but you should expect it. It's not a surprise. I mean, we can say, look, don't shoot the messenger, but the messenger is going to get shot. <laughs> Sorry, that's what's going to happen. So expect it. And remember that every sinner, every sinner out there is in need of the very same salvation that you have received. You know, when you help someone and they're like, you know, you offer help and they're like, no, no, it's all right. I got it. And you're like, no, I'm going to help you. And then they appreciate it. You know, oftentimes it works out that way. They just didn't want to ask. They didn't want to trouble you. They didn't want to put you out. But they do appreciate that help. That's kind of how we, we need to be. Some people don't even know that they need the help because they don't recognize their sin nature. We cannot go on just affirming them and holding them up as though everything's okay. Well, you just live the, your life the way you want to live it. No, we have to speak truth to people. We speak the truth. We don't shy away from it. God's law is good and right. Kicking against the law is futile and self-destructive. 
those who persist in sin without repentance, will suffer both now because they're living life contrary to God's will, which is not conducive to human flourishing, and they will suffer permanently. Now, it's not loving to see someone that's running full speed toward a cliff as though the cliff doesn't exist and just watch them and say, ooh, ooh, this is not going to be pretty. That's not loving. It's loving to intercede. It's loving to caution, to warn, and to do all that. Just don't expect to be loved in return. That's part of what Jesus is saying here. Be bold and speak the truth in, in, of sin and of grace, of law and of gospel. There's a final point I want to make that's concerning the last two verses of our gospel lesson. Uh, <clears throat> these verses say, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father in heaven. Now, when we hear that, the, the, uh, your heart might just drop because you feel like you get that gut punch like we talked about last week because you feel like, oh, I know that I have failed. Does this mean I'm not saved? But I think that in this case, we need to turn to the example that Peter gave us, which we talked about in Bible study this morning. Peter denied Jesus three times. Does that mean that Peter was not saved? But of course not. Of course not, because Peter, Peter failed, just like we fail. But Christ did not fail. And that's the key, is that our salvation is not contingent upon our own, our own success. It's contingent upon Christ's success. I'm not the perfect disciple, nor was Peter the perfect disciple, nor are you the perfect disciple. But Jesus is the perfect Christ. Jesus is the one who has lived that perfect sinless life that we can't live. And it's by faith that Jesus gives us his righteousness. So when Peter looks and says, I have failed, have mercy on me, Christ, Jesus says, I have not failed, and I have mercy on you, and gives him that righteousness. It's not that Peter was a perfect disciple, but it is that he trusted in the perfect Christ. That is how we are saved. I mean, as we say in our uh, divine service every Sunday, which comes right out of 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So be confident in Christ. He is the perfect Savior that gave his life on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins and for the sins of the whole world. Be confident, trust in Christ, and don't be afraid of what happens as a result. Christ will not let you down. Even if this world lets you down, Christ will not let you down. 
The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.